you just speak to our hearts on these truths, Lord. Um, how to honor people really well, like Destiny already mentioned, Father. And um, how to not fall into traps when it comes to money, Father. Um, teach us what it means to be content, but to yet also have ambition. <clears throat> what it means to be content, but also to ask you for more, Lord, and to see your hand just and your sovereign power displayed through our lives, Father. So just teach us, Lord, that healthy balance. Speak to our hearts this morning through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I am actually... uh, (laughs) We we were going to have a guest speaker, but it didn't really work out this week. We had some unfortunate news this week uh, in our family. And it was, it's been pretty difficult. It's been a hard week. And uh, so it didn't work out with the guest speaker, obviously. So um, we'll kind of see how this goes. Sound good? Okay. Um, so if you could just keep, um, yeah, keep uh, my sister, her husband, you know, if, if you think of it, just keep them in prayer. They did spend through it just a, a horrible past few days. So if you could just keep them in prayer, um, they'll probably just let people know as they let people know. But it was like super devastating and a very difficult past, you know, really three days. So just keep them in your prayers, all right? And as we celebrated and as we sang, you know, God, there's never pain without a purpose. There's never pain without a purpose. And um, His plans, His ways... At the end of the day, we just are throwing situations in life where you're just throwing up. You got no answers. Just got a lot of questions. And it just comes down to just a faith. Father, I just trust you. I just don't know, but I just trust you. And I believe you're going to speak and do something here. And so it's like one of those situations. All right? So if you could just keep them in prayer, that would that'd be great. Um, so, it's, so 1 Timothy chapter 6. We've been studying through this book of 1 Timothy. And it's just been bringing about some awesome fruit, some really good fruit, and um, it's bringing greater clarity on this amazing gift and privilege that we get to share in, all of us, the gift and the privilege that we get to share, serve, lead in this living organism called the church. It's an amazing gift and privilege. And what God has chosen to do, He has chosen to bring back sons and daughters, to rescue them. Steve, can you turn that down a little bit? Sure. It's just doing weird things. To rescue his sons and daughters, to express some of his nature, some of who he is. He's chosen to do that through the church. That's just, that's amazing. And it's done in so many ways. It's done in the nursery next door. They're talking about being a ninja for Jesus right now. They're in their second week. Super cute, awesome stuff. Being a ninja for Jesus? What? They're talking about how, you know, you could be a ninja and maybe you have, you know, bad habits, but you, you can change them with the power of Jesus and he can make you in, into something new. It's just like that's... God's choosing to express the part of his nature, you know, at a young age to these little ones. And there's people that have volunteered and said, yep, I, I want to do that. I want to help, like, I want to help bring that up. 
happened on elementary school kids, you know, teens. Like, it's just, it's amazing. On all levels, people of all levels, all places, all over the globe. And God is saying, listen, I could, draw, I could do whatever I want. I'm a better preacher than everybody. I'm the best worship leader. God, could, he doesn't need us doing any of this. But he's chosen in his infinite wisdom to say, hey, listen, I want to display part of my nature through Brandy. If she comes in right relationship with me and embraces the process of what I want to do, I'm going to bring out something beautiful through her. And, and that's more important than me being in control of all of it. And, and that's a very powerful message. And that's for all of us, right? It's not just for Brandy, you know, it's for all of us. He's looking to just bring part, part of his nature, his, in Ephesians it says, part of his beautiful poetry, workmanship. We're called this workmanship, this poetic work that walks around and we live forever many years we live. And hopefully we, we live it so that, Father, do what you want to do in my life. Express yourself however you want to. So that way it says in the word that we are just a fragrant offering on this world. And the people we come in contact with. That's just a, it's a beautiful privilege and honor. And it gets complicated because there's people involved. There's people involved and then we have these sinful natures. Amen, yes. And because we're all at different places with surrender and different levels of faith and different experiences and backgrounds we're just all at different places sometimes we can rub on each other and there could be issues and there could be favoritism there could be bias there could be manipulation flat out dishonesty abuse all of these things and so what God has chosen to do in his infinite wisdom is he's chosen to say hey I'm going to preserve some letters that I've written through Paul to a young guy, Timothy, in churches. So that way the churches, for all time, they at least have somewhat of an idea, somewhat of a clue as far as what this great privilege, this amazing thing called the church, how they should be operating it, how it should be handled. And I'm just like, thank you, Lord. Because otherwise we would just revert to treating it like a business. And a lot of times churches are like that. And I understand there's definitely is a business dynamic and element to churches. Like it requires money, it requires budgets, it requires wisdom. You need those things. But then there's also the part of faith and trusting in the Lord and following his leading. And sometimes, most times, that doesn't always line up with the latest business principles and tactics. So I'm really grateful that we get to read and study what Paul sent to Timothy. And we're coming to the end of this book here. And we've been talking about um, pastors, elders, deacons, church structure, doctrine, all kinds of things. And it's a lot of stuff. And so if you missed any of it, I would definitely encourage you to go back online, check it out, do some studying on your own, ask me stuff, bring stuff up, Wednesday night prayer meetings, Thursday nights, you know, bring them up. The conversation is not over. And, and there's a lot of things that I believe that God has done on purpose. There's a lot of places within his description of the management of the church. There's a lot of places where it's, it kind of depends on the church group as a whole and how they interpret it. And so to force our particular interpretation of what was said to Matthew and to Titus into another church 
think it's very dangerous and I, don't, I think it's very unwise. And one thing I hopefully that we've seen is that there are some things, yes, you just can't compromise. Like Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's God incarnate. He's the one that saves our souls. Like that's a major. Any church that like promotes a message other than that and leadership does as well, that's a problem. And then there's other majors. And one of the key things about First Timothy is, is Paul told him, he said, listen, major in the majors. There's some minor stuff, and people try and make it be major, but it's going to cause division, strife, arguing, quarreling. It's just not helpful. And so we've been studying through this and learning this. The Holy Spirit's been bringing stuff up, and the Holy Spirit's not done bringing things up. And we'll go through different seasons of just different workings of the Spirit, and it's all good and it's all healthy. So 1 Timothy chapter 6. Here's what it says. It says, All who are under the yoke of slavery, some versions it says a bondservant, all who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters are not to show less respect for them because they are brothers. Instead, they are to serve them even better because those who benefit from their service are believers and dear to them. These are the things you are to teach and urge on them. So, this is kind of odd a little bit because when we finished up chapter 5, he was talking about different dynamics with talking to people within church. He's talking to a young guy who's not married. He doesn't have kids. He hasn't been in ministry for a long time. And so Paul just spent all of chapter 5 saying, hey, listen, here's how you should treat older people, older men. Here's how you should treat older women. Here's how you should treat young men your age. Here's how you should treat young women your age. And he, tend, he kind of just breaks down basically how to treat each type because that is not an easy task, I'll tell you what. Um, it could be very tempting and very easy for a young guy to really manipulate and abuse and take advantage of people. And unfortunately, that happens in churches way too often because it can so easily be done because people are trusting you, right? They're trusting you. And so Paul's trying to build on trust, saying, listen, that's the, that's the most priceless thing that you can get from other people is trust. You need to honor that be faithful to it. And there's a way that you interact with people that will help cultivate that and build that. And at the center of that, no matter the age of the person, what we talked about last week, Paul's main and common theme in chapter 5 is you honor people. You honor people. And the way that you do that, what we talked about last week, the way that you do that is by giving them the heart of the Father that created them. If we were to invest and exhaust ourselves into giving the heart of the Father to the world around us, that makes a significant impact on our minds, our hearts, and in those people around us. It changes a lot of things. It starts to make unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment non-negotiables. And it's something you don't want to procrastinate in. Because it starts to change our focus and exactly what we want to do and how now we want to interact. And so now it's not like, well, listen, I'm only going to treat you a certain way if you treat me a certain way. It makes it like, well, honestly, when it comes to, you know, E, I just want to give him the Father's heart. However he treats me is however he treats me. 
But I know that I'm in connection with the Father. He loves Him. He's a son. Do I have anything from the Lord like that I can just deliver to Him? And so, no matter how old somebody is, it's always that same issue of honoring a person and trying to highlight and make significant the value that God has placed on them and trying to, we labor in prayer and in communication with God. How can I do that? What does that look like? Sometimes it's just about being quiet and just listening to somebody. That will speak volumes right there. Don't cut them off. Just let them talk. Saying crazy stuff. Just let them talk. Paying attention to how they talk about family members, interests that they have, just all kinds of different things. There's ways to do this. And I think what Paul is trying to tell Timothy is like, listen, figure out ways to communicate my heart and my value towards these people. Then you won't get lost in trying to, being worried about abusing your power, mishandling the position that you're in, taking advantage of other people. You won't have issues with leading them because you're gonna, they're going to want to follow you. Who doesn't want to follow a person that is primarily concerned with giving them the heart of a father? That's what people want to follow. They don't want to follow people with the right answers, know how to do everything all the time. Because what that does, that creates an atmosphere and an environment where if you don't have the right answers and you don't perform perfectly, you're very intimidated by that environment. And you don't want to really take part in it. And it doesn't mean that right answers and doing things, quote unquote, the right way doesn't matter because it does. But honestly, being a good leader, they just, they understand and they make room for mistakes and for failures. And they're able to empower and come alongside and say, listen, maybe we didn't quite get it that time. Here's some reasons why, but I can help you get to wherever. It takes a lot more work. It's a lot more frustrating. And our flesh does not enjoy it. And it's definitely not the world's way. But the church was never intended to be working like the world. We're not called to mirror culture. We're just not. Okay, we didn't even talk about this part here, but here we go. The slavery part. What's the issue? What's going on here? The issue is, it was very common. Very common. It's basically like somebody's job, basically. So if, if Michael Latula, if he's my slave owner, right? He's my boss. And my job is to be in his house and manage to take care of his house. My family, they don't have a lot. His family, they have a lot. They would take, and part of my uh, pay would be to stay in their house. And make them food, you know, I would stay in the house, they'd take care of me. Um, I'd have to make them food, you know, do everything. And that was the way it would be set up. It wouldn't be that uncommon. Hopefully, you'd get like a quote-unquote good slave owner. A good boss. That always helps the situation. To have a good boss. But the reality is that doesn't always happen. And now when you introduce faith and church into the mix, that makes things even more complicated. So theoretically, let's say, I give my life to Jesus Christ and I respond. My boss does not. That, that can pose some problems. And sometimes what some people can say and think and feel, it's like, well, I responded to Jesus and I know the truth now. And they don't. So forget that. And sometimes people treat it that way. It's like, well, I, ha- I have it now. Like, I respond, and they don't. And they don't want to hear it. And they start getting a bad attitude. Or they use other more manipulative ways, like 
Well, in this environment and what's here, God definitely wouldn't want me here because these people don't love Jesus. And that's not a healthy way to go about it either. But sometimes we can do games like that. And Paul's saying, Timothy's saying, hey, listen, for people that are stuck in this life where they're basically dependent and so connected with somebody else in this sort of slave, owner, boss sort of relationship, people can't start to like think higher of themselves and use that the fact that they're not Christians to be disobedient, rude, and disrespectful to the people that are in charge of them. I can't do it. It's like I can't do my boss at work. I'm a Christian, so I, you know, don't have to actually do it that way. <laughs> my deadlines are different. I don't believe in your process. Like, you don't, that's, and he's trying to tell him, like, don't do those things. And I don't think he's telling Timothy to tell these bond servants they're not allowed to have a voice, like, you don't matter. I don't think he's saying that. I think he's saying, don't try and now use your relationship with Christ as an excuse to not be faithful when you're supposed to be being faithful in. Because, man, we just do that stuff. I remember being 15 years old, and uh, my first job was at a pizza restaurant. And it was like two times away, so it was a little far. And um, learned a lot about pizza, great food all the time. It was awesome. And I wasn't, I don't know how long I was there for, maybe six or seven months. I just wasn't feeling it, man. I just wasn't, I don't know, I just wasn't feeling it. So, my parents were really on me, you know, they wanted me to stick it out longer. They didn't feel like six or seven months was long enough. And in my opinion, at that age, I felt like they were being harsh. I felt like they weren't listening to me. And they were being unfair. I mean, that's just the way I felt. Whether that's the reality or not, I don't know. Right? Our feelings do not exactly paint the picture-perfect reality. Right? Amen, Jared. Amen. <laughs> Doesn't mean they don't matter, but they don't paint the perfect reality. So we have to be humble enough to know that. It's real hard to realize that. I'm 15, 16 years old. So, it's like, man, they're being harsh. Like, they're not listening. It would always be a fight. You know what I mean? It would always be a fight. Every time a situation came up, it would be a fight. So then I would just, I, I, I took the God route and I said, and I told my parents, I said, listen, like, there's no way. These, these people don't believe in God. They don't even care. They're telling me things that I shouldn't hear. They're making me aware of, like, stuff I shouldn't be aware of. God would not want me to work here. <laughs> Such manipulation. <clears throat> and so I remember, I remember Keith, he just rolled his eyes. He was like, and my mom, I felt like I kind of had her a little bit, so of course I tried to exploit that. <laughs> it's not healthy, but sometimes that's what we do. So, you know, all that to say, I didn't last too much longer, but I did get another job pretty close, you know, right after that, close by. So there was a little manipulation, but I, I still did want to work. But I can see, you know, looking back, I was like, man, I just manipulated the God thing. Like, I, I just, that wasn't right, you know? It, and it's true that sometimes we can be in cultures and environments that are incredibly challenging. And I don't want to like dismiss that. But there's something to be said for we are supposed to be an influence and bring the kingdom. And bring his voice and bring his nature and bring his heart. But, but the, the reality is like in some environments it's really, really difficult. 
and the, the honest truth is in, in a lot of most environments, it's kind of like they actually tend to influence us more than the influence that we actually get to bring. And I think it's very dangerous to get into the place to think, you know what, because they're just influencing me and impacting me this way, I just, I gotta be out. That may or may not be true. But I also know it's very true that when we start to feel those things and we feel that weight and we feel that pressure, it's really important for us to do whatever we possibly can. I'm saying to do whatever we possibly can to exhaust ourselves before the throne and say, Father, are, are, you, are you saying that I really need to leave this environment because I, I can't? I can't combat this. I can't bring more to this. I feel overmatched. Like, are, are we, are, is this it? Are we done here? Because you really don't want to move on to the next place until you really feel clearly from the Lord's heart like His Spirit is saying, okay, there's a new season, there's a new place. And sometimes you just be like, well, so awful. Yeah, new season, new place. Let's go. And that's not like the witness test. It's just not. But we have those feelings, right? And we have that struggle and we go through that. And, and honestly, the reality is, more times than not, when we're being obedient, the Spirit will place us in exact places that we absolutely hate. And they're very difficult and we're really struggling. And it's on purpose. He's trying to grow. He's trying to bring about Things within us, things within the environment, but you're trying to bring about, there's a specific purpose, there's a plan there happening. And I can't tell you what it is. Like, I don't know, every situation is different. But I can tell you, like, it's really important for us when it comes to our jobs and what we do for a living through the week, it's really important for us to have great clarity and insight and say, I'm in this job, I perform these tasks, these are my job responsibilities, I gotta do them well. I mean, that, that's. You just have to do those. I don't care if you're Christian or not. You have to do those. And unfortunately, most of the unchristian world, they look better than the Christians because they don't even do the baseline job responsibilities. So we at least have to do that. And unfortunately, in way too many church circles, that's a, structure, that's a struggle just getting people to be on time, not complain, not gossip, and just get stuff done. But the next level of what the Lord wants to communicate and speak to our hearts in the job environment is... We have to have great clarity and say, okay, the Holy Spirit is calling me to be boom, boom, boom. He wants to bring about boom, boom, boom out of me in this job role, in this situation. It's important for us to have clarity and have words to it. Specific wording. And the Spirit will do that. He will give that to you. I have specific wording like in my heart and on my mind that in the job I'm in, like I know that I know certain things. I didn't know for a long time. And I was pretty grouchy and upset about that actually for a while. I was like, yeah, that's definitely a sign. We gotta get out of here, Lord. Like, this is it. But I had to labor, labor in prayer before the Lord and be like, nah, it's just, I think I'm just letting my emotions win right now. I don't feel like I have a clear assignment from you here yet. And thankfully for the past three or four years, I get, I've had great clarity on it. So I'm like, praise the Lord. But it's, just, it's so important that we understand that. Like we have job responsibilities to do. Yes, true. But are we before, before the throne room of heaven? Like where are you looking to breathe 
what you want to do here in this environment through me? Like, what does that look like? How do I do that? So it's important for us to gain clarity on that. Does that make sense? Because the job thing is just so important. It's a big reflection. It's a big reflection as far as what we believe. And the reality is, he spent all of chapter 5 talking about it. The way we treat people and the way we work is actually a huge reflection as far as what we believe. It's a huge reflection. It's, it's much more telling of, of really most things. I mean, what we do with people, our sexuality, and our jobs, that's pretty telling as far as what we believe. And we can say whatever we want. right? But really, it comes down to like, what do we actually do? So there's that issue with the boss that doesn't believe, but then we did, we responded. But then there's the other issue with the bond servant. Well, what if... The boss was, he's a believer, and I'm a believer. Brother! Brother! Now we get no work done all day. That's not good either. And that one creeps into the church all the time. Because there's still work to be done, right? Like, Sunday school teachers, they have to be prepared. They have to look at a lesson and pray through it throughout the week. And say, Lord, I want to deliver your heart to the little ones while they're throwing goldfish and pushing each other. Like, I want to deliver your heart. Yes, but that's important to do that. Because to think we could just show up and just like say whatever, I don't think we're having great clarity as far as what the Lord wants to do. And it's not just, pre- not just nursery and preschool kids. It's, it's any age, whatever happens, like especially on a Sunday morning. And so sometimes it's like, hey, we're all Christians, like the Holy Spirit would just do it. And like, just, just, there can be this sort of very nonchalant sort of, ah, we'll figure it out, brother, when we get there. You know? like, and there are certain things that happen in a church, you just have to figure out, bless you. You just can't, it has to be done now and figured out now. So just figure it out, we just got to do it. And the Spirit will work and He'll breathe in that. And I'm also not saying that you have to plan every single detail of every single thing. There's nothing, I don't, personally, it's a little bit of a pet peeve. It's not in the Bible. But when just some things are so rigid within a church service, you're going to get 27 minutes of worship. At minute 28, we'll transition to this. At minute 34, we're going to do this. And it's like that all of the time. It's, it's like, I don't know about that. I, I respect the... The appreciation for wanting to do things excellent in the house of the Lord. Isn't that good? Because the people that just show up with just sort of no preparation at all, it's like they obviously don't get that. But there's some sort of balance, right? There's something in between. And so with these bosses, it's not like, hey, brother, brother, like, I don't really have to take care of your house and make these meals and do these things and really honor you in this way because we're Christians, right? Like, you're going to forgive me anyway. So he's trying to tell Paul, Timothy's trying, Paul's trying to tell Timothy, listen, be on guard on that stuff because these dynamics will present themselves. It'll present themselves with people doing it on purpose, intentionally. It'll present themselves with people not even really being aware of it. So you need to handle that. Young Timothy, got to handle that. Got to address it. Because if you don't, here's what he says. If you don't, God's name and the teaching will just be slander. He's like, man, just what a horrible witness that'll be. It's like at the truth, you know, the gospel is all about 
The gospel is all about treating people a specific way that God has laid on our hearts and that will never change depending upon how they treat you. That's at the heart of the gospel. That's Jesus Christ himself. Whether he's being embraced by people and he's got crowds or whether they all leave, he was committed to staying true to what the Lord had put on his heart. Regardless of the response from others. And that's one of the hardest things in life. Especially if it's family. That's one of the hardest ones. Because family are people that we know, we're vulnerable to, and sometimes we're dealing with the same issues that we have in the past like five years. And it's like, you just want to stop. You're being like, well, they're just not going to, they just, and for some things, it's like, no, you don't stop. You continue to bring my heart to them. And it just becomes so difficult because it's also true that we form boundaries in our lives. You have to have boundaries <coughs> to help to protect. And so some boundaries that Jesus put up was when Peter showed up, Peter just did some awesome things, he was really faithful, and Jesus said to him, he said, wow, only the kingdom of heaven could have revealed that to you. And then Peter said to him, Listen, you don't have to die on the cross. We don't have to do it this way. There might be another way we could do this. And Jesus drew a boundary right there. He said, get behind me, Satan. He just told him, great job, God told you this. And then he says, get behind me, Satan. He said, you don't have in mind the things of God, only the things of man. The boundary he drew in his life is like, listen, I I just can't have information in my life right now that's going to take me off course of what God is calling me to doesn't mean I love you more or less right now. It's just there's something, there's a primary work, and I, that narrative, I st- I'm hinged on. It's important to know these things and have the Spirit work these things out within us and battle with it in prayer. Verse 3. If anyone... Also, I wanted to say this. Sorry with that first part. If I could just summarize it up. Um, the integrity of how we work, it can't be dependent upon someone else's faith level. The integrity of our work and what we do and how we interact with people, just in the job setting for now, the integrity of what we do, it cannot be dependent upon our bosses or other people's current faith level. It's really important that we know that. I can't be killing it at work if I feel like, oh, they're a believer and they believe in me and we can pray together and it's just awesome. They're getting my best. No, it's also got to be true. If they don't, they're giving me a hard time. It seems like they're always trying to undercut me and give me difficult times. I'm still bringing my best. It's very important. It's, it's so hard, though, right? It's hard. We have to do this thing together. But the Spirit is able. He will give us strength. He won't just call us to something that we figure it out. He'll call us to it and say, I promise to do the heavy lifting here. So the integrity of what we do in our jobs and our work can't be dependent upon somebody else's current faith level. Here's the other thing he says. We're going to close up with this second point here. It says, verse 3, If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies, quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, excuse me, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness 
is a means to financial gain. In other words, Timothy, listen, there's some people that are just, they want to be around the church setting and they just want to argue stuff. They want to argue, they have an agenda and they want to argue. You got to have a wisdom. There's some people that have honest questions and they want, they're interested in an honest dialogue and just going back and forth. And then there's some people, they just want to argue. They don't actually really want to, they don't care what you have to say. You might think they do because they ask you the question. The reality is they don't give two cents about what you say. They just want to tell you what they say. And it's very important that in a church setting we recognize that. It's especially important to recognize that in leaders of a church. It's very important to recognize the difference between the two. I remember somebody came on Wednesday night Bible study. It was like last year, two years ago. Never seen this person before. And at that time, my Wednesday night prayer meetings was like four of us. And we, I'm not saying names. And so, he never came on a Sunday morning. Um, but it was just odd, you know? And it's like, people from our own church aren't really coming to prayer meeting. And so, somehow this guy found out about it. He's like, how'd you find out? He's like, on the website. And I'm like, well, that's cool, I guess. But nobody in our own church even looks at the website at the prayer meeting time. So, it's just kind of odd. It's not like that really anymore, which is cool. But, and I remember he was really like quiet and kind of patient the whole time. And he like even prayed with us. And I was like, man, you've been sounding pretty solid. I was like, okay, you know, but I still had like kind of a suspicious eye. And so I think he came one other time. The next time he came, same kind of deal, went really well. And then at the end, he's like, can I ask a question? And I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> We're just finishing prayer meeting. You know, it's like 8, 8.15, something like that. I know I got to get home. It's like bedtime for the kids. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah you know, of course. You can ask, definitely ask a question. And so, you know, the question he wanted to ask uh, was about, he said, uh, said on the cross, Jesus said, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he's pointing to another place in the Bible talking about, um, how God had said, I will never forsaken you. And so he wanted to create this like, whole thing about being forsaken. This generally this whole discussion. And, I was, and so I said, I said, honestly, I said, he said, well, he goes, he took up the verses, brought it up, and he goes, and so what do you guys do with that? How do you talk about this? And I was like, well, I said, honestly, man, what the, I think what the Bible says is that Jesus became sin. Sin is not going to be in God's presence. Jesus had never known sin. He's never, ever known it. And in one minute, he become all the sin in the world for all time. And he's out of his Father's presence. They've had intimate communion and relationship forever. He's never known anything otherwise. And now he feels the full weight of mankind for all of eternity. He feels it, and, and God, he's not going to be with that. And the Bible says it in Galatians 3 and in two other places. I said, man, he became sin. I gave him the short version. I didn't give him all that. I gave him the short version. I said, Jesus became sin. I said, that's why he forsook him. He didn't forsake his son. He forsook sin. He's not going to be around sin. He goes, I've never heard that before. Show me in the Bible where that is. And I'm like, I know where this is going and what it's going to turn into. And I can tell he's just on a thing. He just wants to talk. He's got an agenda. He's got a th- he wants to prove whatever. I don't even know. Good intentions, bad intentions, I, I, whatever. I know it's late and I got to get home. <laughs> got responsibilities, right? So I said, listen, I said, you come to church next Sunday. I promise for you, I'll have the verses written out. I'll talk with you after church on Sunday. He never came, you know. Never came. But I wanted to leave the door open in case, you know, I want to connect. But it's fair. We have to, 
it's just it's important to understand and realize, especially in a leadership position, that you got to understand like some people they're not asking honest questions. They got agendas. They just they just want to prove whatever latest thing they read on the internet, what they found, or whatever. So it's important that Timothy know that. He says this other interesting thing about financial gain. Verse 6, we'll continue it. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. People who want to get rich fall in temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires and plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, everybody say the love of. Yeah, the love of, right? Not just money itself. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We'll pick up in 11 next week. Um, It's interesting, this Greek word for contentment, it's the only time it's used in the New Testament is right here. It's the only time right here. I'm not going to pronounce it for you. Um, But what it means, it says, well, I will pronounce it, a torquia, it says it denotes freedom from reliance upon others, whether other persons or other things, hence the satisfaction of one's needs or the control of one's desires. So what he's telling him is saying, hey, listen, if somebody's looking to make a lot of money and get rich, number one, that's not sinful in and of itself. If the love of money and just getting more and accumulating more is the only thing driving that? Yeah, that's a problem. It's the root of all kinds of evil, like we just read. There are some people in the kingdom of heaven that God just has set up and he just lavishly just blesses them with money and resources. It's like what they touch turns to gold. And there are people that are in the kingdom that's just the way that when God wants to bring resources, he wants to bring things to people. He doesn't like bring in angels and they throw money bags everywhere. That's not the way it works. He has strategic people that he knows that he can entrust himself to because they will be good stewards of. And they will continue to hold that. And the whole reason why they have it is so that they can release it for the kingdom, for what God wants to do. I remember, uh, you know, my dad ran into a guy maybe like last year, year and a half ago. I, I, I sort of knew him, but I knew somebody that was also in his circle. But I did not know that this guy that they ran into, he's sitting on like a lot of money, five, six million, you know, per year. He's got multiple businesses. He gives away over 90% of what he brings in. And he's like, from my technical guy, he's like, you know, when we started talking about all kinds of things, he's like, you know, people would never know. He's like, well, listen, I know, this is what he said. He said, I know that God has placed me, he's given me the ability to make this money so I can fuel and give to what the Lord wants to accomplish here on earth. That's a guy knowing his assignment, right? He has clarity, he has vision on it. And I'll tell you what, when he, it's, sometimes, sometimes, you know, we think that if we don't have a lot, you know, we think like, oh, we'll be really responsible when we get a lot and we have it, you know, it'll be easy to deal with. Man, that ain't true. When you get more, there's a lot more you can do and a lot more to get. So, to have money, not a wrong thing. Somebody drives up. I, I hope nobody in this church would judge somebody, judge somebody. They drove up in a Bentley, and they showed really nice clothes, and they dressed really nice every Sunday. 
I hope we don't judge them and start making calls and being weird. It's just what it is. It's just, it is what it is. Let's just honor them and love them and give them the Father's heart. Let's just be friends. Or maybe not friends. Whatever. So it's very important to know that, number one. So some people got money, some people don't. Some people, sometimes the Lord will give us seasons of a lot, seasons of a little. And he tells, Timothy says, hey, listen, if you want to make a lot of money, ministry is not the avenue to do it. Your goal to make a lot of money become wealthy, don't use the ministry to do that. That's not the place nor the purpose of it. It might come with it, but don't you dare get into it with that heart behind it. There's multiple pastors, evangelists, leaders within the church that have a They've earned a lot of money, and they continue to. And the truth is, a lot of those, not all of them, unfortunately, but a lot of them are faithful and true, and they give away so much, it's ridiculous. And so it's really important to know from the outset when it comes to leading people and shepherding and giving them the Father's heart. You're not doing it for financial gain. You're not doing it because hopefully they'll tithe more next week. You're doing it because you want to give the Father's heart because it's about honoring people and helping them get to the place where they can hear the Spirit well, where they're equipped well, they can see with clarity, and then they go out. So my last point on this last verse is, in light of that other stuff I just said, contentment is not something we can muster up. So I can't be like, okay, Jared, today we're going to be content today. I mean, you can tell yourself that 400 times in the day. I mean, maybe some of it will sink in. That's a lot of times, 400. But you can't really muster it up. Contentment is a fruit of connection. Contentment is a fruit of connection. It's something that actually gets built into our hearts and becomes, it just, it's made a reality when we're connected to our Father who has inexhaustible resources. And is in fully control in every season of life. And when we realize that, I'm pretty content and satisfied with wherever I'm at. It doesn't mean I don't have dreams or goals and ambitions. But I know that out of my connection with my father, I'll be taken care of. I don't know how it's going to look and I don't know what's going to happen. It might be a lot, it might be a little. But I know he's got everything and I know that I'm in relationship with him and I'm his son. He loves me, he'll take care of me. He sent his son for me. And so contentment, it's not something we can muster up, but it's a fruit of connection. It's important for us to know that. Okay, so those two things. Integrity can't be based on faith, our boss's level, whatever it might be. And our contentment can't muster it up. It's fruit from a connection. It always comes back to the connection. Abiding in Him like Jesus called us to do. Alrighty. So next week we'll pick up in verse 11. And um, probably finish up 1 Timothy chapter 6. So what we're going to do. I'm going to pass up these elements for communion. Hold on to them when you get them. Front row always always gets the pass up. So just hold on to it.
To God, as we sit and we just behold the elements, Lord, I pray, Father, that we would just reflect and think about the forgiveness given to us, your love lavished on us, the grace that's been given to us. Father, you're also looking to give those things to others around us, through us. And so we just come with a thankful heart to your table, Lord. Just saying thank you for being obedient, for modeling what true faithfulness looks like, for modeling boundaries, Lord, for making us able to see what the heart of a father really looks like. We just thank you for that, Father. Become grateful, become humble, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you continue to do the work needed in us so we can treat people and respond to them the right way. So what we say and what we preach, what comes out of our mouths, may it line up with our behaviors towards others and in our work, Father. And we thank you that you make us able, Lord. It's a lie to think that we can't change. Things will always be the same. It's just not true. You make us able. With you, all things are possible. And I pray that we would learn to rely on you and and live from your strength and not from ours. It looks very different. And it takes us typically a long time to figure that out. But I thank you that you're there, you're ready, you're willing, and honestly, you're going to do the heavy lifting. You're just looking for our response and faith to what you already want to do. We just thank you, Lord. It says, while they're eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body, and so we take and we eat. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins so we take and we drink so we're just going to close in song everybody okay with that okay so Steve we'll just play that last song that we did Uh, do it again okay